The Boston Bruins are no longer unbeaten in regulation, but they've surprised a lot of people with their strong start to the season. The Nashville Predators are adjusting to a new coach and a new system, while the Chicago Blackhawks are, are integrating Connor Bedard into the lineup. We have all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And now you can find us on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just do a search for Locked On NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Boston Bruins, Ian McLaren. And Ian, you know, a lot of people expected the Bruins to fall off a little bit this year with so many players retiring or not being back. And yet they just lost for the first time in regulation all season on Saturday night, what has been the keys to the early season success of the Boston Bruins? I think there's a couple of things that uh, that need to be factored in. Certainly, you can look at their schedule, and the first seven games they played were all against uh, Western Conference opponents, and uh, a couple games against the Chicago Blackhawks, the Anaheim Ducks, teams that you know probably aren't expected to do much this season. Uh, but since they've started playing against the Eastern Conference, they've still done really well. They beat Detroit, Toronto, Florida before losing to uh, the Red Wings on Saturday night, their first regulation loss. Uh, you know, some guys are stepping up. Pavel Zaka started off a bit slow, but he's picked things up and looks like a, a viable option in the top six. Of course, uh, rookie center Matt Potra has really stepped up uh, past his nine-game kind of trial period. Will be sticking with the club for the foreseeable future. He scored in the game against the Red Wings on Saturday. Uh, has not looked out of place at all. And yeah, there's been some astute signings as well. Mostly uh, James Van Riemsdyk, who has, uh, you know, there was a lot of uproar among the Bruins fan base about allowing a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi to walk in free agency and sign with the Toronto Maple Leafs. James Van Riemsdyk has come in and he's out produced Bertuzzi at uh, 20% of his his cap hit. So uh, some good signings there. Strong team defense overall. And uh, the goaltending for sure is one of the big things. Talk to me about David Pasternak because he seems like a man on a mission so far this season. Yeah, I mean, early on in his career, you could say a lot of his success came from perhaps playing with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron and, and riding shotgun on that line. But over the past few years, he has come into his own as an elite player at the NHL level, one of the best wingers in the game. And he continues to succeed and thrive uh, no matter who he's playing with. And that's a hallmark of a, a truly elite player at the NHL, uh, creating, taking games over, 
uh, a threat each and every time he steps out on the ice. And uh, I think last time I checked, he's leading the team this year in hits. So he's getting engaged physically. Uh, he's stepping up as a leader on this team. And the puck's still going in. He's still creating things. Uh, his all-around game. You know, you can quibble with some turnovers here and there, but that's just a hallmark of, of a guy who has the puck a lot more than than others. And, um, yeah, just living up to that huge contract extension that he signed and that has kicked in this past uh, the beginning of the season. Now you mentioned the goaltending. I mean, the, the, the duo of Olmark and Swayman, Olmark has been excellent. And then you look at the numbers and Swayman has been off the charts. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about both of these goalies and what they're doing so well so far this year. Sure. Yeah. There was a lot of talk in the off season about, maybe splitting these guys up and selling high on Linus Allmark. There certainly would have been a lot of interest in him on the trade market. Uh, You look at a team like Edmonton who could really use him, but the Bruins rightly made the the decision to prioritize keeping that tandem together. And they have been minus last night's game against Detroit. Uh, One of the, if not the primary reason why the Bruins have been succeeding so far this season. Uh, Jim Montgomery, the head coach, has been sticking to this strict flip-flop every game, rotating them. Not something we saw in the playoffs last year, perhaps to, uh, or yeah, definitely to Boston's detriment against the Florida Panthers. Uh, This tandem works. They work well together. They support each other. We see the hugs after each win. Um, and neither guy resents the other being in there on a, a game by game basis. Uh, and it really works to Boston's advantage right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, prioritizing that prioritizing the defense amid a bunch of changes up front for the Bruins has, uh, really been a, a savvy move for Don Sweeney, uh, and, and the Boston Bruins here this season. And the PK right now, second mm-hmm. in the league. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Uh, again, that's another function of, of keeping the defensive core together. Derek Forbort, a huge part of that. He's been out uh, the past couple games, but it stayed strong with him out for a time last year as well. Excellent penalty killing. Uh, Jim Montgomery has really instilled a, a fairly aggressive penalty kill and they, I think, I believe they've only had one power play goal given up so far this season, which, uh, which is just insane. And, and yeah, special teams have been, have been huge for the Bruins, of course. So what are the keys to keeping this up? I mean, they're not going to win at this high of a percentage, but what are the keys to keeping this season on track right now? I mean, there's the usual answers, health. Uh, The Bruins, the last two games, have played without three of their top six defensemen. They were able to beat Toronto with that group. Three AHL guys in the lineup uh, were not able to withstand Detroit. Um, They need to get some goal scoring from some other players other than David Pasternak. Uh, Jake DeBrusque finally got his first the other night uh, we'd like to see him score a bit more um, and some of these young guys continuing to step up. I mentioned Patra Mason Lori was recalled and he's been uh, pretty good so far. John Beecher on the fourth line 
Uh, the Bruins have been playing very physical. They're not an easy out by any stretch. And um, as long as the goaltending stays hot and the defense is on point, then they ha- really do have a chance to win each and every night, uh, which was fairly unexpected with the departures of Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. Uh, the fact that Matt Potra specifically, uh, right in the mold of those two guys, the fact that he was ready right as they left, uh, a nice bit of uh, luck for the Bruins there. And, and uh, Charlie Coyle, Pavel Zaka have been able to to play very well uh, with those guys out too. So yeah, things are things are looking pretty good. Does the depth on defense concern you right now? You mentioned three players out of the lineup. How are they handling that? I mean, yeah, they have been relying on some uh, guys that you wouldn't have expected to be in the lineup for too long. Uh, Ian Mitchell, Parker Witherspoon. Uh, The good news is Charlie McAvoy will be back. It's not an injury situation. We know that was a suspension, so he's going to miss two more games. Derek Forbort's day-to-day. Matt Grizzlick's the one concern. And Mason Lori has jumped up into his spot and has looked NHL ready. So, I mean, it's not ideal when you have to rely on three AHL guys in the game. Uh, but luckily, it's not long-term situations for, for the guys who are out. And uh, next man up mentality for the Bruins, Jim Montgomery system is defense friendly so it should should be all right to, as long as things don't drag out too long on, on the defensive front all right ian why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media yeah they can find uh the podcast at locked nhl bruins on social media i'm at enc mclaren and they can find locked austin bruins on your favorite podcast app and on youtube All right, Ian, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee – Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. My favorite feature by far is that you can see the view from your seat on the app before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And game time has tickets right up to the start of the event. And even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Just download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NHL. For $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-H-L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. It is great to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Predators, and Kimmel. And an interesting start to the season for the Preds seems to be very up and down right now. What's causing this inconsistency so far? 
I think a lot of it is the adjustments that the Nashville Predators are having to make with a brand new head coach who is implementing a very different style of play for the Predators. Plus, they've had such a change in the roster gone are Matt Duchesne, gone is Ryan Johansson. And they brought in Ryan O'Reilly and Gus Nyquist, Luke Shen, but he's been out on um, injured reserve. So there's been so many changes. And I think part of what we're seeing with the inconsistency is that the Nashville Predators are having to unlearn some things as they're trying to learn some things. So when they start to sort of struggle in a game, you can see periods of time where they kind of fall back into their old style of play. And I think time is going to start making that a little bit better for them. So what is the change in style of play for people who aren't following the Preds regularly? So I like to, I know the Venn diagram of people who follow musical theater and people who follow hockey has a very small center, but the best way I can describe it is it's like uh, the musical Hamilton. You have Alexander Hamilton, who is go, go, go. And you have Aaron Burr who waits for his opportunities. Nashville used to play a style of game where they really waited to create opportunities. And Andrew Burnett has come in and he is very Alexander Hamilton. This is a team that needs to be playing with speed, fast in transition, put shots on net. It is very much a go, go, go style of play, not quite as defensively focused as the Predators of the past under the past two coaches have been. So it's a very different way of thinking the game. Even, you know, veteran players like Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg are saying, you know, we have to think this game a little bit differently because we're used to playing with a different mindset and a different style of play. So that's really a, a big transition. It's a big difference for the team. Now, you mentioned Ryan O'Reilly, one of the newcomers. He has been on fire early on this season. What has made him so effective and how is that helping the team? The best way I can summarize Ryan O'Reilly and the time that the Nashville Predators have had with him is that he is everything that Barry Trotz said he was. Now, you know, when a GM goes out and signs somebody, they're going to tell you all the great things about them. But you have to wait and see for yourself. Is this hype or is this real? Ryan O'Reilly is the real deal. He is doing everything that Barry Trotz paid him to come in and do. He is one of those players who is continually working to make his game better. He's already played a thousand games. He hit that milestone this week, but he is hungry to improve his game. And as he does that, he has the ability to make other players better. And that's something that the Predators have needed. They've needed the guy who makes his line mates and teammates better. And it's not just on the ice. Ryan O'Reilly is a temperature changer in the locker room. He is driven. He has a very high work ethic. I think he sort of sets a culture in there and he wants to win games. This is somebody who does not want to lose. And I think you are seeing the Predators in a much more positive mindset through what could be a difficult transition because Ryan O'Reilly is one of the leaders that is positive and hungry. And it's making a difference for the team on and off the ice. How about UC Soros? How is he adjusting to what certainly is a style that will expose him to some more shots than maybe he's used to facing? Yeah, this is true. UC Soros does have a different 
uh, a different perspective this season as the Predators are playing faster and transitioning more. UC Saros, we always kind of joke that he's a crockpot and not a microwave. He usually takes some time to warm up, you know, as the season begins. And we've seen that in a couple of games. But here is the thing. Saros is so important to the Nashville Predators through this transition because he covers a number of sins. You know, he really can make saves when the defense has kind of lapsed that maybe other goaltenders can't. So he's so important to the team. He has had a couple of games that were a little bit shaky, but he really is going to be a difference maker. And I think he's a key part of why the Predators feel like, hey, we can make this style change right now because we have him in net. Who are some of the players who are having more of a struggle adjusting to this new system? Yeah, there are a couple of players that, you know, we really haven't seen yet how they're going to fit in. One of them is first round draft pick Phil Tomasino. And Tomasino has had an interesting trajectory with the Predators. Predators. He was a full-time Nashville Predator two seasons ago, but did not make the team out of camp last season. Was called up at the end of the season and played well while the Predators were down with veterans and was a part of that kind of late push to try to make the playoffs, which they didn't, but they really gave it all they had. Tomasino made the team out of camp, but he's really had some trouble adjusting, I think, to incorporating a fast game, which is something he's good at, with also balancing it with playing a 200-foot game. Because you can't just be fast and offensive. You also have to be able to play a 200-foot game, you know, protect the puck, and be able to make smart defensive plays. So this is one of those players that I think is still trying to figure out how his game is going to work well in this new system. He's been a healthy scratch at times, but the Predators aren't giving up on him yet. And I think just with more time, you're going to see him get more comfortable. And how about the defense core? Because it's got to be a big change for them as well. It is a huge change for them. And it's also been kind of a different start to the season because they were really counting on Luke Shen and he played one game and has been injured. The defense has actually been excellent, which is which is a credit to them because, like you said, this is a very different style of play where they're going to have to do more with maybe less time. And they've done a really great job with that. Roman Yossi and Dante Fabro are reunited. They played together several seasons ago and have done well. But it's great when you have veterans like Ryan McDonough and Tyson Berry in there, too, because they've kind of seen everything, you know, and Ryan McDonough's played with a team like Tampa Bay, who who does play kind of a faster paced game while he was with them. So I think that they're holding their own really well, considering all of the changes that they're facing with this new system. So what does this team need to do to become more consistent, to reach that next level and fight for a playoff berth this year? I think so much of it are small things. Time will time will help a lot, but I do think there are small things. If you look at the games the Predators have played statistically, they've been competitive in all of these games. Now, they're still five and six, but they're competitive. But the difference is there are little moments of the game where maybe they're making a mistake. And if they can clean up some of those little things and really stick to what they're doing, and that's hard to do when you're not getting the wins, but you feel like you're playing well, you kind of feel like you have to over adjust, but they need to clean up some little things. And I really think they're going to start seeing the reward for what they're doing. So I, I think keep doing what they're doing, keep practicing this new system, keep learning this new system, building chemistry with new teammates, and then just cleaning up little things. And I think this Predators team may surprise some people.
All right. Should be an interesting ride for sure. And why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you and your co-host on social media? You can find the podcast on uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at LO underscore Predators. Of course, we are on YouTube and on any podcasting platform that you're at. You can find me on X at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice and my co-host Nick Morgan at underscore NS Morgan. All right. And always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is just so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And look, you can bet on the NFL, college football, the NBA, and you can use your knowledge of the National Hockey League as well on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Blackhawks, Jack Bushman. And uh, Jack, all eyes from the start, from really from day one when the Blackhawks drew the lucky ping pong ball to draft Connor Bedard. It's all eyes have been on him. We're now a few weeks into his NHL career. What is your early assessment of Connor Bedard? Yeah, he's started to get it going here as of late, Gil, with three goals in his last four games, kind of getting a little bit settled. And I, I think the biggest thing for him is figuring out exactly what he can and can't do on the ice in terms of where his body's at, because he's not the most physically imposing player, right? That was the one knocker concern, if you will, about Bedard entering the NHL. And I think he's starting to understand that a little bit, figuring out where he can have success on the ice and just everything that comes along with it. But the shot of his is absolutely undeniable. I think that's the asset that we all assumed was going to transition the easiest to the NHL level. And we're starting to see that. I mean, whenever he gets the puck on his stick, he can let it go in the blink of an eye and uh, has been able to blow it past a couple of goaltenders here as of late. So it's been nice to see the progression from him recently as well. And I think a big part of that has been the Blackhawks giving him some better support up there on that top line. And an issue for this Hawks team has been Taylor Hall has missed uh, nearly half of their games in the early going in. That was really the one piece that I thought was cemented alongside Connor Bedard on that top line. And I was really looking forward to those two establish some chemistry together. But with Hall being banged up and kind of in and out of the lineup through these first nine games, it's been a bit of a revolving door up there along with Connor Bedard. And I think that's been a little bit tough for him. But I got to give a lot of credit to Nick Foligno, who kind of funny enough, when the Blackhawks brought him in this offseason, I don't think anyone had him penciled in on the top line with Connor Bedard, but with Taylor Hall out of the lineup, I thought he's really stepped his game up here as of late to help Bedard reach that next level himself as well. So I think it's been a combination of Bedard getting more comfortable and also getting some help from his line mates more than he did in the early going. That's led to this recent success that we've seen from him in these last few games. That that's good to see. I mean, he, he is the first line center already, uh, one area that maybe he and the rest of the team have been struggling with, though, is the power play. 
you would think with a little extra time and space, he'd be able to create and score a little bit more. But what's been plaguing the Blackhawks power play so far? Yeah, funny enough, Gil, this was actually something that I just broke down on last Friday's episode. Shameless quick little plug there for anyone that wants to hear more about it. But in a synopsis, I think it's it's been frustrating because this Blackhawks power play looked so good together in the preseason and during training camp. They were moving the puck well. And then for whatever reason, through these first nine games, it feels like they've almost been too timid or it looks like they kind of just got reset back to square one where they're still trying to figure out chemistry and how to set everything up. But make no mistake about it, Gil, this Blackhawks team or this Blackhawks power play unit, I guess I should say, I don't expect them to be one of the best in the NHL. They just don't have that amount of talent, but I do believe they're talented enough to not have the second worst power play in the entire league right now. And um, it, it's got to be more than just Connor Bedard out there. And I think Seth Jones is someone who really needs to step up his game and his struggles have, have been so noticeable on that top power play unit that some Hawks fans and even some people on the beat are saying, maybe it's time for Kevin Korchinski to start getting that look. And another thing has been Lucas Reichel hasn't gotten opportunities with the top power play unit yet. Now he doesn't have a point through nine games, so that's not saying all that much, but it does feel like he's one of those talented, high upside type of players that has to be out there on that top unit with Connor Bedard, especially when Taylor Hall is out of the lineup. Because Gil, right now on the Blackhawks top power play unit, they have Nick Felino, Corey Perry, and Philip Kurashev out there. And just if I'm speaking honestly, those three guys aren't top power play type of material. You need uh, a Lucas Reichel out there and, and Taylor Hall to get back healthy. And also you need someone to be willing to shoot the puck on the blue line. And Seth Jones just hasn't done that so far. So it's a combination of a lot of things, but it, it certainly has to change if the Blackhawks want to take that next step offensively, because again, I do think they're too talented to be converting at a 9% clip like we've seen so far. Yeah. I got to do better than that. Talk to me a little bit about the goaltending. Peter Mrazek has looked Pretty solid, 917 save percentage. But what about uh, Arvid Soderblom and, and the backup goalie situation? Yeah, quite honestly, the Blackhawks goaltending has been pretty spectacular so far. And Peter Morazic looks like a guy who is really trying to, I think, not only prove that he can be a starter in this league, but he's proving that he has to prove that he could still be an NHLer. I mean, kind of going and looking through the inconsistencies that he's had these last couple of seasons. And he's also battled with some groin injuries. I mean, he was really brought into Chicago last year with the tank in mind. They, the Hawks acquired him just to get an extra first round pick. And he was kind of a good placeholder goalie, but he's been much more than that through his first five starts this season. He, he's been incredible. And um, that, that's kind of the one thing that's been, I think, the best for the Blackhawks so far has been that goaltending. Now, the one issue with that is you can't always expect it to be at that level throughout the course of the season. So that's where the Blackhawks have to step it up defensively. But the goalies have been doing their jobs. Arvid Soderblom as well did have a shaky start on Monday against Arizona. But prior to that, was looking just as good as Peter Morazic. And this is his first full NHL campaign. So he's another goalie that uh, the Blackhawks organization is really high on, and, and for good reason. He's shown some good flashes in his uh, first couple of NHL stints, and now we get to see him as a full-timer this year. So the goalie, the goalies have not been the problem for the Blackhawks, Gil, but I am questioning whether or not they're going to be able to play at that level consistently moving forward. So, I mean, this is still a young team. This is still a, a team that's in a, a rebuilding mode. 
They've accumulated a lot of picks, a lot of young talent. What are the keys to improvement for the Blackhawks for the rest of this season? What do you want to see from this team to make the season a success? Yeah, it's a little bit tough just because there's so much, I think that can, so much unexpected that could happen because there's so much runway with this Blackhawks group. And there's a lot of players that are just kind of unknowns as well. And that's why I, I do believe Kyle Davidson's mentality going into the season from the general manager was almost figuring out what we have because yeah, these are high end prospects and high draft picks that we've accumulated, but you don't really know what they're going to be until you see them on the NHL scene. So it's kind of tough to put a finger on exactly what I want to see out of this Blackhawks group, but I would most definitely like to see them just continue to be battlers. And I think the biggest issue for them that we've seen so far has been that inconsistency from period to period. There have been some high notes this year, Gil. I mean, they've beaten Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, beaten Toronto in their building, handed the Vegas Golden Knights their first loss, but it's kind of just doing that from a period to period basis. That's kind of been the issues where one period, the Blackhawks look great. And then the next, it, it kind of feels like it can all unravel in a hurry. And that's the symptoms of a young team. Those things are going to happen, but I think, what coach Luke Richardson has said to the media and what I think that the next step for this Blackhawks team would be is just cutting those down as much as possible. Now it's something that's easier said than done. And also something that's a little bit cliche, but quite honestly, for the situation, the Blackhawks are in, you can't really ask for anything more. You can't ask this team to go out there and win games and push for the playoffs because that's just not what they were put together to do. So I think it's just keep seeing development from these young players and Try to cut down on on the amount of periods that feel like they're just blowups and ones to forget about. Cutting those down, I think, will kind of help build the framework for what the Blackhawks can kind of put into play moving forward. And winning a few games at home would help too. Yes, absolutely. Particularly uh, on Saturday against the Florida Panthers when yours truly is in attendance. All right. Well, Jack, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. You can find the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast 100% free wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. If you want to check out the show's uh, social media page on X, you can do so at capital L capital O underscore Blackhawks. For some more uh, insight from yours truly over here, you can follow me down below at Jack Bushman too. All right, Jack. Thanks so much for stopping by. Always a pleasure to talk hockey with you. Absolutely, Gil. Thank you for having me on. All right, I want to thank my guests, Ian McLaren of Locked On Boston Bruins, Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks, and Ann Kimmel of Locked On Predators for joining me today. Uh, also wanted to say thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are here every Monday through Friday bringing you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of the show. I also co-host the Friday edition along with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks for listening to and watching the Locked On NHL podcast.